beautiful people of the world. Welcome back to another episode of Malfunction, coming in hot for you right now. This week on the pod, I have a wonderful conversation with one of my friends and one of Dallas's rising musical talents, Will Latham. Better known for his stage name, Billy Law, Will has established himself as a revered solo indie folk artist while also playing bass for nationally acclaimed and Rolling Stone recognized country garage rock band, Ottoman Turks. I get all the deets in this one. We start from the beginning. I learn about how he initially got into music as a kid, all the way up to releasing his debut solo album, Alone Somewhere, with State Fair Records last year. And have you ever wondered where the name Billy Law actually came from? Or what's the dynamic like within the powerhouse of a band, Ottoman Turks? Well, folks, I've got you covered. The answer to those questions, plus much more, as I get the inside scoop on how he named his band, the early days of Turks, how Turks almost broke up right before their big break, his most memorable shows, and much more. We also talk about the making and concept behind his first solo album, Alone Somewhere. He's set for a three-week Scandinavian tour to promote this album at the end of September. And he also shares a little detail about what's to come for Billy Law and the Baby Boys upon their return. Honestly, y'all, I feel really lucky to know Will and to know him through the music scene here in Dallas. And I've always really appreciated his support, his drive, and his artistry of the craft. Although I've known him for a few years now, this was really the first time that I've been able to sit down with him one-on-one and have an in-depth conversation about his journey. He's been on my list of hopeful podcast guests before I officially even started this podcast, so this was a really special one for me. And I can't help but to add that I don't know if there's anyone out there that can say Billy Law and the Baby Boys better than I can. So if you need any promo Billy Law, you know where to find me. Seriously though, if you have not gotten on this Billy Law train, please hop on it now because it is going places. I've got some links in the show notes for y'all to make it easy, hooking y'all up with his Instagram, also with links to his Spotify for his solo project, and also Ottoman Turks. Oh yeah, and one more thing, we did record this podcast outside on a balcony, so you do hear a little bit of city noise in the background, but honestly, I think it adds a little bit of flavor, so don't be alarmed if you hear some cars and some city noise in the background. Like I said, I actually kind of liked it. One last thing, and I will let you listen to the episode. Wherever you are listening, go ahead and follow the podcast, review the podcast, and share it with all of your friends and family, whoever you think would enjoy. All right, we are finally here. Let's get to the episode. Have you ever been on a podcast before? Um, yeah, a couple. And you've done some radio stuff too, huh? Yeah. I had, uh, Nathan and I had our own show uh, at A&M. Oh, oh, y'all did? Yeah. And I was like, I thought you were about to say Ottoman Turks did that like short podcast series. and. Oh, well, yeah, we did do that. But I yeah, in when we were in college, we like DJed our own, we had our own show. And Paul had his own show right after us. That is, so <laughs> it was cool. That was cool. Kind of, what kind of music did y'all play? Um, we played, we played everything. So what we would do is we would like pick a theme for each week and then we'd just pick songs from all genres that have to do with that theme. Like one week we did songs about food and drink Mm -hmm. and then other, like, you know, we did songs about uh, like love songs or murder songs. And so like each week we'd just pick songs from all genres that fit that theme. It was it was fun, and then like, what I think is more fun with the radio show is when you like give background and history to the artist and songs instead of just being like, "Here's four songs you just heard, blah 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 blah." And here are the next four songs. So we like yeah. it was almost like a podcast in that way. Yeah, kinda, like dissected the songs and talked about the artists and stuff. That's that's really cool. So how long did y'all do that, and how did you get that gig? Um, we probably I think we did it for a year, maybe two. Okay. Um, but, I mean, it was like the student-run radio 
Yeah. So you just had to apply and those radio shows for college campuses are always just kind of like the outcasts. So they're like, yeah, more people <laughs> come on in. But y'all made it cool, right? Yeah. Well, it was awesome. We were inspired because Paul had a show for a while, like almost all four years that he was there called uh, Paul Core Pop. And it was all like indie pop music. Oh, yeah. And it was really well curated. Hey, that's pretty. Uh, it, t- it takes talent to put a good, you know, flow together. Yeah. So. And it's cool, like, uh, learning about new stuff because it just opens up your mind to, to like, stuff that you didn't even realize, like, you could implement in a way. You know what I mean? Or, like, small influences, you know, from random artists. You're like, oh, I can see how yeah, I connect with that. for you know? sure. Like, I think for Nathan and myself, it was really fun to, like, put the playlist together Um and then talk through the show because instead of just being like well this is a good song we'll throw it on there we had to like have a reason to put it on there Mm -hmm. so and then we wanted to talk about them so we had to have some history on it so it was like research music research also which was a fun aspect of that yeah how did y'all find new stuff um i mean i guess at that point spotify was just kind of coming on to the scene Mm -hmm. so we, we use spotify for a lot of stuff but my mom is uh a music teacher and has been in music for a really long time. So I was like constantly coming to her for advice too. On like for like all kinds of genres. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's cool. And Nathan just has like a wealth of knowledge of music. So yeah, he did a lot of work. That doesn't surprise me that he knows a lot because he's, he's an excellent songwriter as well. Yes. He has an extremely unique perspective. You could tell that he's really been down the, the dark hole of wikipedia many times yeah he has a very he's got like a storytelling sort of way about it as well which is somewhat of a lost art i feel like you know um but damn he does it very very well so it's cool that you guys how long well first of all billy law y'all billy law is on the pod yes it is i happy to be here welcome welcome we're so excited and you may be able to hear the city behind us because we are literally sitting here watching the sunset set over the skyline of dallas and it's pretty incredible so um y'all can get some of those vibes it's like we're the city life right now we'll take a picture it probably it looks a lot more beautiful than it may sound yeah, it's really, there's purple and pink, a little bit of orange, um, and the lights. It's great, y'all. Mm-hmm. I love it. But Billy, so, so excited to have a conversation with you. I'm wanting to know a little bit more about, like, we've known each other for a few years now. Yeah. Um, just kind of crossing paths in the music scene and uh, kind of instantly hit it off and really really enjoyed playing shows with you guys y'all have always been so kind to us to the roommates been so like um you know supportive of what we do and we really appreciate that so thank you for everything you've done for us like seriously i you really have been a really awesome support and right back at you but i think it's not really hard to love people that that are cool anyway <laughs> hey, so, i appreciate that i appreciate that. it's not a challenge y'all are awesome oh man well so excited to talk and um i guess you know like i said we've crossed paths but i don't know the full story of billy law and so that's what i'm here for i kind of want to start with where where does billy law come from like how did you get into music and let's start there uh yeah so um, I, that's a wonderful question. My mom, like I, I mentioned her earlier, she, uh, was a jazz singer for a long time, like a club and lounge singer. And then, um, when I was really young, she taught like jingle singing and, and voice in, at, a. I can't remember which uh, college she taught at, but she, so she taught jingle singing and then uh, when we went to school, she became our choir teacher and music teacher. So she teaches voice lessons now and does gigs every now and then. So music was always there. And uh, growing up, we were raised uh, Church of Christ. Okay. Are you familiar with how that music works? There's no music, right? You just acapella? There's no instruments. Right. Yeah, yeah. so it's acapella. So I like... <laughs> That was most of my relationship with music wow, was like singing so hymns, acapella. Your mom was a, a music teacher, 
Uh-huh. But there was no music at church. <laughs> right, there's no instruments. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Like I had no experience with like bands for years and years because obviously I wasn't going to her gigs. I was little. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that's interesting. Okay. So did you sing in choir and stuff? In oh church? yeah. 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 Choir. And then I was in like musical theater and choir at school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my junior year. So I, uh, Joshua Ray Walker uh-huh. was, uh, he went to school with me. So we've been friends since we were like six years old. Oh man, that's cool. And so he and I like grew up across, uh, Buckner from each other. So our parents were always watching us trading, trading off babysitting duties. Yeah. And, um, he was just, he was really good at music, yeah. guitar, guitar in particular. And that was about the time that he was really getting into playing in rock bands. And I was like, I oh, mean, I don't want to play music. He's like, yeah. Sorry, y'all. Sorry, uh, y'all. And Speed he was racer. like, he was so he was he was like, let's start a band. I was like, okay, I don't know how to play an instrument. I'll be the lead singer. He's like, well, lead singer kind of has to direct the band and write all the songs. And yeah, I mean, like, do you have any experience with that? I was like, <laughs> no. He's like, why don't you learn how to play bass? And I was like, okay, that only has four strings, so surely that's really easy. So yeah. I tried to learn bass to and we jammed and stuff uh but that never formulated because he was in actual bands at that time that were playing good music and so uh i yeah i got picked up on the b team uh nathan (laughs) was starting he he was starting a solo project that he wanted to call ottoman turks in my junior year of high school he's like you play where does nathan come in did he grow up with y'all um middle school Okay. Middle where did school. y'all go to school? Like here in Dallas? Yeah, Lakewood Presbyterian. Okay. Mm, yeah. Okay, so Nathan enters junior high, and y'all are all three kind of hanging out at that time? Um, No, Josh had left the school at that point, and Nathan, I, we all thought Nathan was super cool, but uh-huh. we weren't, like, we were kind of scared of him, because <laughs> he, he had eyeliner and, like, the emo haircut and stuff, oh, so he skinny was for jeans. Real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we were all kind of scared of him, uh, but I went to all of his shows. He was in like an indie rock band called The Hot Tickets with Paul. Okay. And Paul went to a different school. Um, and I was just obsessed. With, I was their biggest fan. I was at all of the shows in the front row, like singing along. I couldn't believe how cool they were. Mm-hmm. And so then that band broke up and he was going to start a solo project. He goes, you play bass. Do you want to play bass? I was like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Uh, yes. And so I learned how to play bass by playing in turks that's incredible oh my gosh so y'all i knew that y'all formed in high school yeah Um, so that's that's the story so me paul and nathan uh are still in the band and then lydia nathan's sister was playing keys and a friend of ours taylor king was playing guitar it wasn't until years after that i uh convinced josh to join up Mm -hmm. so uh but josh was always kind of around yeah sort of He's just been doing music forever. Sure, sure, sure. Man. So you started playing in bands. Um, When did you start playing guitar and writing your own music? I think um, it was especially after Josh joined the band and he started doing solo stuff. So he moved from being like lead guitar in rock bands to playing more folk country music. And he was doing solo stuff. Okay. And Nathan was always writing songs. And I just, I was just thinking like, <laughs> I mean, if they're doing it, I better do it. You know, they're, cause they're so good at it. Surely it's easy. So I started trying to write songs. Uh-huh. And so I tried to figure out how to play uh, guitar. And I wrote a lot of bad songs. And uh, then at some point I thought they started to get better. And so I started my solo project. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really started playing guitar around college. Okay. When I was in college, I started writing stuff a little bit and they would let me play. We would, Turks would play Billy Law songs. They're like, yeah, we can play. We'll, we'll do one of the bass player songs here. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's paying attention. Everyone wants to go get a beer. Let's do one of uh, Billy's songs. <laughs> this is the time. Guys. Yeah. So I was in college and started started doing that. And then um, after college, I moved to Houston to go uh, work. And I didn't know anyone in Houston except my roommates. Uh, my roommate. Not uh-huh. my roommates. roommates. I met the roommates later. That's right. Uh, and so most of... I, I worked a ton, but I would just come home and play guitar and try to record demos i had like a little setup and okay um 
so that's where I just spent a lot of a lot of time, like not trying to get better at guitar or just trying to figure out how to write good songs. Yeah, I spent all of my time trying to do that, and then I thought that I had, you know, after about a year and a half in Houston, I was like, I just want to play music. Like I don't, I don't want to do this sixty, seventy hours a week working, uh, and then just come home and play guitar and go to sleep. Uh, so I was like, I'll move back to Dallas. I know people there. Uh, Josh is playing shows and Turks probably, uh, we'll start, we'll start playing more if I move back. Like, Mm -hmm. this would be great. Um, and I've got my solo project now. I still didn't really know what I was doing, but I tried to book some solo gigs and that was, that was fine. Uh, and we, I did that for a little while and then Turks basically almost broke up because I think everyone was just like, I don't know what we're doing with this and everyone has solo projects. So let's just do that. And then we got this big break getting to open at Granada and then all of a sudden we had a, a record deal and it was like well I guess Turks is back together yeah. and um and then I was able to record my solo album and uh jump on the label too so I've been pulling double duty ever since yeah man it's that's really cool and I mean, you've got a really good voice, and you write really good songs, too. It's, um, I mean, when were you, or did, was anyone like, hey, you're you're freaking good at this? Was there a time where... No. Because, like, the first time <laughs> I heard you, I mean, I feel like you've been doing this forever, you know what I mean? And, like, mm-hmm. it's so funny to hear you talk about, I was just trying to figure out how to write good songs and stuff like that. Um because it seems like it feels like to me that you've been doing this forever and ever and ever, you know, yeah. um, and that's that's really cool. What What is your creative process like? Like when you're how do you write? Does it come to you spontaneously? Do you set off time? Is it both? Um, you know, like these days uh, with a kid, it's a lot more. <laughs> you've got 30 minutes. Yeah. You better get to it. Um, when I was in Houston and when I first moved back to Dallas, I just, I loved coming up with any kind of new technique or method or trying any kind of like creative thing out as far as writing. I loved um, stacking. Have you ever done that? Where you just get a bunch of books and you open them all up. Okay. And then you just kind of flip through the pages, write stuff down, and then you kind of take everything out of context and write a song based on that. I thought that was a lot of fun. I love like dividing a page up into just weird shapes and, you know, like writing a bunch of nouns over here and verbs over here and adjectives over here and phrases over here. And then on the next page, just trying to write a song based of all the things that came to my mind there. So I think just kind of like using, for lack of a better term, the creative muscle Mm -hmm. and just thinking of different ways to do that helps a lot. And you don't, I mean might write slower at times but I I feel like writer's block is such a can be such a cop-out because the answer is always like maybe you're not always gonna write something good but writing something is more important because I mean you're gonna write like a thousand songs you don't have to have a thousand hits that's such a good point that's such a good point like writing I'm stuck is better than just being stuck yeah I similarly have been approaching reading the same way lately. It's like at night, I'm going to read. If it's only one sentence, it's one sentence. But that's what I'm going to do. I find that just like the best way to approach creating good habits too. Mm -hmm. Like I think exercising is a good example of that. Like honestly, your first day, just go to the gym. Show up. (laughs) <laughs> you don't even have to do anything and then just leave but you did it you now yeah. you can just make progress each time you go back that's a win and just kind of like slowly i think people you know i think they do this with with art and exercise it's just an easy one they go in they're like well i want to get toned and buff and blah 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 i'm gonna do two hours in the gym and then it's like okay and then you're sore for five days and you can't move yeah and you're, you're not creating good habits you're just you know you're just doing something go do 20 minutes for you know three times a week for a month and then you can up it that's such a good and especially like with the songwriting because like that's something that I struck I tend to struggle with sometimes or I've when I reflect on my behavior I'm like oh that's what's going on here is that 
I expect every single thing that I do to be mind blowing. Right. It's got to be, it's got to be mind blowing and it's got to be that, it's got to be perfect. And it's, um, you know, so I've definitely like, it's very obvious for people to tell be like, yeah, that's exactly what you're doing. But I'm just now getting to a point where I'm confronting these things like for real, like, okay, look, this is how it is. If I want to get better, I have to change some things like, and you know, spending time with music and like recording, I'm really trying to get some demos and stuff going because it's like, that's where I spiral into that perfectionism into that. Like, this has to be it, like the best song I've ever written. And it's like, like chill. This is a demo chill. This yeah. is a demo, you know, you know, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to, when you're stuck in a moment to realize like how much time there is and has been mm-hmm. to do things. And I think it becomes, you know, it's just like eating an elephant as they say, mm-hmm. like just one piece at a time. Yeah. Cause when you look at it, it's like, well, I gotta, I'm going to take a huge chunk right now. I'll take a break and then I'll like jump back on it. I think that like mentality just can kind of crush you before you get started. 100%. That's exactly what it does to me. It, it limit, It's limited me so much. It makes much. you feel bad. Something that should have been an esteemable act, like that would give you self-esteem, like does the opposite. Or it's something that's like you're... Because for me, music is a very kind of sacred thing for me. It's a release for me, um, like especially writing and stuff. So it's not good when I when I turn something like that that's sacred to me into something that's crushing me it's like we all have the ability to do that with anything you know but it's um you know I definitely don't want to do that with something that's very sacred to me so it's like I'm willing to work on these things you know what I mean and I think it's a journey like that's one good thing about music and working with people is that it really shows you some areas that you need you need to improve in and that's probably the biggest blessing I've gotten out of my like musical journey so far you know um but yeah like with the recording process talk to me a little bit about that for you how do you approach that and I know like you have your first album out so um was that your first time like doing a legit in a studio mastered all this stuff um I'm definitely had already done it with Turks but definitely for the solo project that was the first time and that was we learned a lot uh we're about to start recording the second record and we are just ready to do it the a completely different way okay okay <laughs> yeah so the first record I just you know I didn't have any money and uh so it was you know guerrilla sessions uh Marshall who recorded and produced everything bless him uh we recorded a lot of stuff at his house. We recorded it in just like closets and rooms all across Dallas. And we do like these two hour sessions basically mm-hmm. because, you know, that's just all we, everyone had time for to meet up. We couldn't just block out a whole week and be like, all right, we're going to crush this thing. It mm. was like a, here and it just took forever. And it was, you know, I was still, the band was together, but we hadn't really played enough to figure out who we were and what everyone's role was. So we were figuring that out on the fly in these like little mini sessions. Uh, it was hard mm-hmm. and it took just forever. And we finished tracking it the day before COVID shut everything down. So then wow. we were doing, uh, Marshall did all of the mixing and Christopher Mooka forecast gallery did all the mastering. So all that was just done. Like, Hey, what do you think of this? Uh, email it over and listen to it. Uh, this is what I think instead of us getting to be in the room, like, uh, you should, you know, cut the mids there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So you definitely a, a very interesting first journey. Like sounds like you were, you encountered several, I guess, quote unquote roadblocks that yeah. you had to learn from, but it's like, so this next time around, you've got some a little bit more strategy. Yes. Boys, take that day off, take the next day off, and take the day after that off. We're all going to be in the studio. We're going to try to get as much of this live as possible, um, you know, in three or four days. And then we can come back and do any overdubs that we want. Yes, and, get that bass. Um, and we're, we've done, Marshall and I have gotten together and done some pre-production too, so we have some some direction to head in. 
beforehand. Yeah. That's cool. That's I'm I'm really excited to. I mean, hearing y'all play live, um, y'all are tight. I can y- well, I can tell you. that y'all have really. I mean, you've been playing. You've you released your album, and y'all have really worked these songs to where it's like, when y'all play live. You're really getting a good show. Like, it's very clean and very tight. Well, thank you. There's so many of us. Yeah, and that's <laughs> beautiful. I mean, y'all are... And y'all are such a great group group of guys. Like, man, some of the kindest dudes I've ever met. Like, It huh. is uh, just such a blessing to get to play with those guys. And honestly, I can say the same thing about the guys in Turks, um, but... You know, we were trying to come up with a band name, Billy Law and the and the what. Oh, and this is good because I was going to ask you, like, where does this name <laughs> yeah, come okay, from? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I'm I'm making notes on my phone. I'm not, like, texting people. I don't want you, you to You can think, text like, people. That's what fine. What the hell are you doing? But, like, you say something, I'm kind of writing some stuff no, down. you're good. Uh, so I put this, this group together. I had told Michael Martin, you know, like, years before, hey, I want you to play drums for me. I was like, I don't really have any songs, but I want you to play drums for me. He's like, okay. Time comes. Yeah. And then Dave, I met uh, through a friend in college. I was like, you should play guitar for me. You play guitar? He's like, yeah, sure. And Richie, I had known of. I was like, I heard he's this really good bass player. And I asked him, and then Marshall came along. And Marco, I loved Odd Folk. So I was like, can you just come play guitar with us too? He's like, yeah. Uh, but we were trying to come up with a band name, and we just nothing was sticking. And my wife started calling them the baby boys because they just take such good care of her and I thought it was just so sweet like you know I'm very stressed out all the time when it comes to playing shows because I like to have everything you know in order the way I need it to be make sure everyone's where they need to be and uh, I'm just running around with my head cut off before shows and they would all just like go flock to her and like do you need a beer blah 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 (laughs) and uh, they're just helpful kind do the right thing yeah. people and that makes all the difference uh playing with people like that or having them in your band it it's uh, a recipe for longevity mm-hmm. yeah for sure where it's like y'all are gonna weather some storms together um it's yeah. not always easy you yeah. know it ain't easy so it's not like have- oh man we gotta get rick out of the bathroom He's done more coke than he can handle. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but man, can he play battle steals? You know, you gotta, you know, every gift has his price. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, we don't have to deal with that. That's awesome. So. Well, where would the name Billy Law come from? Um. Yeah. Wonderful question. Uh. Not my actual name. Uh. But. Is that supposed to be a secret that we don't ever know or? No. no I, it's, it's a it's a weird thing that I haven't fully come to terms with. There's so many people that call me Will. I'm like, yes, please call me Will. It would be weird if you called me Billy. Uh, but um, it's just for me, it was I need I wanted a name to kind of hide behind, to separate the art from the person. Okay. A, a little bit. And uh, when I was growing up, I played a lot of uh, NBA 2K, and. <laughs> I'd always create a player, and they wouldn't say your last name if they didn't have it in the name bank. Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. Farewell. Chair chair. down. Chair down. Chair down, y'all. So if they didn't have your your last name in the name bank, then they wouldn't say it. So, like, on the commentators when you were playing the game. So I always, uh, instead of Will Latham, I went by Billy Law because they had Law in there. Uh So that was just my character. In NBA 2K, and it felt like the appropriate, you know, I want to play in the NBA, and that's the equivalent of being a famous musician, so, uh, yeah, same guy. That's awesome. I love it. So, it just kind of stuck, and well, well, that was back in the day, and then once you got your solo career, was it just immediate? You're like, oh, Billy Law, that's, that's my character. Totally. You just was like not even a thought. Yes, it's already been formed. It's already, it's already there. Why would I even try? Yeah, that's brilliant. I I have regrets about it, but I I you know, you got to stand strong. I think it's great, Billy Law. Just that's right. It is fun to say. Yeah, especially for someone like me that has a very annoying Texas accent. Just, I love it. <laughs> I, yeah, I love it. Okay, okay. So, talking about music, what? Or who are some of your biggest influences in music? Um, okay, that's I think that's pretty easy. Uh, 
Tom Waits is just far and above my favorite artist of all time. Um, I just love pretty much everything he's ever done. Mm-hmm. I love the way that he's done it too. Um, he's he's easily my favorite artist of all time. I love um, Jimmy Eat World, probably my favorite band. Um, I love Jimmy Eat World. Uh, I grew up. My dad listened to a lot of Outlaw Country, so that's that's in there somewhere. Okay. And, uh, I, you know, those are probably like the top three influences. Yeah. There's of course there's a lot of bands that I really love. I love you know Tallest Man on Earth. I love The Strokes, Frightened Rabbit, um, Manchester Orchestra. You know, you've heard of that's them. That's one of my top five. Yeah. Um, I am really on a big Maggie Rogers kick right now. Uh, do you listen to her? Maggie Rogers? Mm-mm. Oh, so good. I'll have to check her, yeah, check her check out. Yeah, check Maggie Rogers out. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Lucy Dacus lately. Do you ever listen to her? Who? Lucy Dacus. Lucy Dacus? Yeah, she's in the, the Phoebe Bridgers. Okay. Uh, Julian Baker, Lucy Dacus. They're the the triune okay, force okay. of sad girl indie rock. <laughs> I'm, I'm I gotta check. Very it out. into that genre. Wait, I, didn't you play like an Olivia Rodrigo cover? Oh my gosh, cover? that album is so good. Yes, I did an Olivia Rodrigo cover at my album release show. Yeah, Traitor. Oh, that album is just phenomenal. Yeah, I. It was good. I liked it. I don't remember it very very well, but I did play through it, um, and it was great. I mean, I was vibing to it for sure. I listen to all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? I don't remember a lot to. of. You stuff have to. that I like people are like do you know this artist or do you know this artist and I'm like it's so scary too because as a musician you feel like you should have a good grasp on it all but y- you can't know everything mm-hmm. and I'm just a very forgetful person when it comes to knowledge and facts and trivia anyways me too names so, and, and yeah. like, like my I don't memories. know I forget their name but they are my favorite artist yes <laughs> yeah I mean that happens to me all the time yeah. <laughs> seriously <laughs> <laughs> so okay, back to your music. Is there a is there a particular song or a couple of songs that you have connected with specifically? Like where you're like, man, this is one like this is a good one that I wrote, <laughs> or more than one. Because I, I don't know if you're like me, but I t- you know it's Do you hard hate for hate and love all of your songs. Yes, yeah, pretty I, much. I kind of feel the same way about most of mine. I'm really happy with, I try, you know, it's like I released a record. I'm really happy with the way all of those songs turned out. And I also want to do them completely differently at the same time. So that's just the, the river we float on as, yeah, like as artists. It is. You want it to be. I'm, I'm really proud. And I feel like, uh, I'm really proud of it's not right. The first track on the album. I feel like that, um, got what I wanted to get across Mm -hmm. as an artist um, the most uh, if we're talking about genre or aesthetic that was the song that I was like well in the back of my head that's what I assume I am Mm -hmm. that song Mm -hmm. Um, but especially with the name Billy Law everyone's like oh country Uh, you're very like you're the super country artist i'm like no but they're like well what about voicemail i'm like yeah i guess that is kind of a country song but in my head i'm like i would like to think that we're more like frightened rabbit than we are like a texas country yeah no i would agree with that i would agree with that with the frightened rabbit reference and well back to well to alone somewhere the album that's the the title of your first solo album and um, let's dive into that a little bit. What's the story behind this album? Is there a timeline for these songs, or was it just some? These are like songs you've accumulated through the years, and how did you decide on that? I'm asking so many questions because I want to yeah. know. Um, it's so the track listing is uh, not in order that I wrote them, but in chronological order of like the events that I'm singing about. Okay. It it is a concept album. Um, I mean, you could call it a concept album. It's really just about my life. It's not like a made up story. Mm -hmm. Um, alone somewhere. The idea from that just came when I was in Houston in my dark room making demos, like, man, (laughs) 
<laughs> this is all I do. <laughs> I go yeah. to work and I come back and do this. And the whole album is is really about um, my my journey. Self discovery uh, is is kind of the the backbone of it, but at the same time, the the real story is 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 about um, my wife and I's relationship. So I met her when I was in junior high, and then uh, we dated for a short period of time, and I broke up with her via text. And uh, oh. <laughs> are you still in the doghouse? Uh, not quite, unless someone talks, uh, brings up, you know, oh, didn't he bring up the via text? Uh, then you know, maybe uh, then she gets reminded, uh, like, uh, all right, here's on the couch yeah. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then we reconnected. Uh, and, and became really good friends. And w- when I left Houston, like a few weeks before I left Houston, or a couple months before I left Houston, I guess, um, we started dating and then we got married and now we have a kid together. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of that album is, is me. I, I was never really in any relationships. I, I didn't have any desire to, basically because I didn't have myself figured out at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, the journey of self-discovery and figuring out who I am and how I can interact with my emotions and feelings and other people and their emotions and feelings. Yeah. Um, so tough. That's what the album is about. That's beautiful, man. I love that. I love that so much. And do you, well, you said It's Not Right is your favorite. Would you consider yeah. that your favorite song off the album? Um, yeah, I like that song a lot. Uh, I was really happy with the way Wake Me Up 2 sounds um and obviously i feel like i i I like slowly a lot too that song's special to me yeah it's a great album um y'all check it out there's some links in the show notes but um yeah this really really good just hanging out good vibes good feels on that and you said you got a new album in the works yes and y'all are about to hit the studio are y'all gonna so you're going to Sweden first, though, yeah. and that's really what I, you know, I'm super pumped about. Like, how did this happen? Like, so you're about to go tour Sweden. You're gonna play alone somewhere, kind of promote that and showcase that for that audience. Yeah. Um, and then when you come back, is that when you're gonna start your your mm-hmm. new album? Okay. So, how did Sweden come about? Um, that's a great question. So my vinyl my album's been for sale in Scandinavia at like record stores for a while. So when we first got distribution, yeah, they, they got it over there. And, and I mean like half of my listeners are in Sweden. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't, (laughs) and a, a promoter that does most of the, um, like bringing up of of Americans to Scandinavia, um, reached out and was like, we we like the record and we like Jackson Scribner's record and we want to bring him over. So he's on the label with us, and, and yeah, we're kind of, it's like a co-headline yeah. tour of Sweden. And so how long are y'all going to tour? Um, we have uh, 13 dates in three weeks. Man. So, yeah, so oh over the course gosh. of three weeks. You are going to have the best time. I Yeah, it's going to be, life. it's just going to be a wild time, and like I was saying earlier, I don't only get to bring Dave and Richie, my guitar player, and my bass player, um, so that's a little sad that I don't get to bring everyone over there, but to at least have those two guys, just like sweet, responsible young gentlemen. Yeah, sure. Is going to be great. Yeah. Fantastic. Y'all are going to see some really cool scenery too. I can only imagine. Like it's going to look like a whole nother world over there. But you I mean, know? It, it is a whole yeah. nother world over there. How long does it take to get there? I think it's a 12 hours. 12 hours? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Are y'all going to do any like live recordings? Um, you know, that's a wonderful, I mean, we probably should, huh? That'd be kind of cool. You know, at least some sort of capturing of y'all's live performance somewhere yeah, in Sweden. Yeah, I, I hope to do that. I'm going to tell them that's what we're doing. Yeah, be like, all right, y'all. Great idea. It's It's got to happen. Yeah. It's got to happen. So tell me a little bit about how you juggle being a dad, being a husband with music and, and how much you play because you're doing your solo stuff. You're in Ottoman. It's like, how does all this work? How do how do how do you <laughs> juggle all <of> this? Uh, <laughs> a wonderful question. I sometimes I don't know how. Uh, sometimes I don't think I do a very good job of it. Um, you know, I just basically you have to learn how to say no mm. to a lot of people, 
often. Like, you know how long it took for us to get this to happen. And you had to come to me. Like, I basically, I just become a difficult person <laughs> to hey, schedule things with. It is what it is, though. You know, like, there are uh, there are times when I play, like, five nights a week and work seven days a week. Uh, and then, you know, after a week like that, usually I just have to say, I'm not taking more than one gig the next week. I'm yeah. going to stay home and hang out with fam. Um, but also, my jobs allow me to be home during the day a lot so i teach it's like a weird little school they go tuesday through friday 8 to 12 mm. so i get to be with my daughter during the day a ton that's and so great being a musician i don't know if it's a popular opinion but it should be uh is great for being a parent because your child's asleep when you're working true and so i get to be with my daughter during the day all the time yeah. I probably get a lot more time with her than most people that work their normal nine to fives. For sure. Because, you know, by the time they get home in Dallas traffic, they get an hour it's with absurd. their kid before it's bedtime. So you, how has becoming a father changed you? Um, how old is your daughter now? Uh, she'll be two in December. So she's she's still really small. And how has that, like, how's that been for you? Incredible. Yeah. I mean, I've always... Um, I've always worked with kids my entire life. Uh-huh. So I've always loved kids. Um, and I've always been very excited to have kids. So it's something that I was really looking forward to. It wasn't like I didn't do it begrudgingly or like, well, I guess it's time to do this now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, it's definitely a, Dang it, uh, party's uh, over! Yeah, a decision <laughs> that was made. And, you know, to me, it seems... And of course, of course, of course, of course, I'm not saying this is the way it works for everyone. Uh, for me personally, I feel like um, being in a committed relationship is a really good start to learning how to be less selfish. And being married is a great step up um, from that to learn how to be less selfish. And then uh, having a kid is a couple floors up from that. Couple floors, <laughs> yeah, in, I, like how, I like how you... And <laughs> how to be less selfish and how to, um, you know, make the most of your time and be efficient and, and wise uh, with that and learning to say no to opportunities yeah. and things. And th- the biggest part for me is, you know, just it makes you a better person, I think. Yeah. In general. Yeah, um, and beautiful. you know you learn a lot about love of course but I, I assume that everyone already gets the picture because there's lots of movies and things like and songs about that but the thing that I don't think that people talk a, a ton about is just like you become a better person mm-hmm. you learn I mean that's what <laughs> that's what so much of life is about is learning that when I give my energy to helping and loving other people I am made better for it. Yeah. It's, you know? And so when you have a kid, you're forced into that. It's like, it's like, uh, it's God telling you, Hey, um, you know, this is the way that you should be doing things with everyone, not just your child. And wow. I think that's just a fun, uh, not so fun lesson to learn sometimes, kind of but it is joke from God. Like, yeah. ha Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I can, I can only imagine because, uh, yeah, you're right. It's like it changes your whole life, you know, and it's that's it, you know. Right. Um, back to a little bit of music here. What would you say is your most memorable show you've played? It can be with any band that you're in. Your shows or your solo stuff, Ottoman, whatever. There's so many good ones to pick from. I've had just like a handful of just truly exceptional exceptionally fun shows that just were inspiring you know those shows where you go home and you're like I just let's you know it's three in the morning I'm gonna go home and I'm just gonna play music and write more songs you know when I was you know that yes you know when I was growing up when I was growing up when I was playing like watching when you watch a basket I remember watching basketball and being like I'm gonna 
once this game's over, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to become so good at basketball. You know, it's those buckets. Yeah. Or when you play, you know, after you play a game and you're like, I did really poorly. I'm going to go home and I'm going to get so good. Or when you do really well, it's like, it's just that thing is there for shows too, bad or good. Uh, but if I'm picking, man, I don't know. My album release at, at Kessler was really fun. That sundown show that we just played was super fun, but the Turks, I think the first time that we played uh, our first album release at Granada was just really special because I was there. that was, yeah, it was fun. I was there. And that <laughs> was one of the coolest shows I've been to ever, ever. It was so impressive, so amazing. Y'all filled that huge-ass theater up yeah. and rocked everyone's motherfucking face off like it just, excuse my language <laughs> it yeah it really just blew my mind because we i mean oh, we so were you know on the verge of breaking up not that long before <laughs> that and then to have this show where you know at that point i think it was like the biggest local show at granada since like erica badu or something it was it was insane like and it shouldn't i don't know how it happened and we got the state fair out there it had uh like fletcher's corn dogs and Little Big Tex and 40 Acre Mule um, was there and they released an album and it was just, there were just good vibes everywhere. There it were just like good vibes everywhere. A That's combination all of all of this stuff aligning at the, at the right time. There are these certain times in life and man, like that was one of those nights where it was clicking at all cylinders. The magic was in the air. Everyone was feeling it. Everyone killed it it was it was great man i'm i'm still pumped about that i still think about that show and um <clears throat> that was really inspiring just to see y'all sell that place out and it was great um yeah. and speaking of ottoman though for y'all it's so cool because um y'all all have personality it's like y'all are all almost kind of like front men you mm -hmm. know Y'all all are frontmen in your own right. I mean, Paul, he doesn't have necessarily a solo album, but, like, dude has his own he's flavor. Yeah. And he's got his own, like, character going on as well. But I think that's You could argue he's the most interesting thing happening truly. in the band. I mean, there's so many people that I have talked to that have, have told me the main reason I come to Turk shows is because I want to watch Paul drum. I don't know how the hell he does what he's doing. I, I think his arms are going to fall off. Yeah. I'm like, how does a human being do this? Stay on time and like kick ass. Like it's, it's, it's incredible to watch. So and you've, and then you've got you over here that's stomping around barefoot screaming. You got Joshua over here just shredding. Yeah. You got Nathan in the front, just, Nathan is a is a front man through and through. He really is. Yeah, he's he's got it going on as well. And so y'all have like kind of a a very unique combination and mixture of of talent. And I think that's what makes y'all so successful. Whether you knew what was happening or not, you know, in those early years. But it's like, shoot, all all of y'all are not y'all are. You can watch one of y'all the whole time. You know, and usually there's a band where there's only one person that kind of captivates you, you know, but it's like, nah, this is a show. Yeah. Um, I, I always, I tell people this all the time. Like it's, um, it's be, it's because we all have solo projects that this is, this is party time. Yeah. This is not, you know, bear my soul. This is us getting to be relaxed and just have fun. And Turks is a band by committee. It's not a dictatorship. So I think that can make a huge difference. Like Roommates is a band. Right. It's not, it's not Mallory and the Roommates. Right. And so it can take on a different dynamic where it's not all about Nathan. Um, so, and it can be us just having fun. And I, you know, we all play very serious solo stuff. So to get to play loud, frenetic, chaotic, fun music is is just awesome. So we get to have we get to have our cake and eat it. Yeah. So how do y'all write? Like, do y'all write together? Do y'all bring like, hey, I've got this chord progression, and y'all build on it together? Um, what does that process look like for y'all? So Nathan definitely writes the bulk of the songs, uh, the the large bulk of the songs. Um, we help 
with the instrumentation, yeah, of course, like it out and, and, and kind of whittle some stuff, um, down. Um, but Nathan writes most of the lyrics and, and then we, you know, give him ideas and he may come up with more or, you know, but it's mostly, I would say it's like 98% lyrics are, and most of the I, like main ideas are Nathan. Uh, we might come up with a couple of progressions here or there and definitely like we should put a breakdown here and this is how it should go. Yeah. Um, but it's mostly Nathan and that works really well for us. Every now and then Josh or I will come with an idea that might come turn into a song, but mostly Nathan. Mm-hmm. And it works great that way. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you it's, know, s- some, that's, everybody brings their little bit to the table, you know, and that's beautiful. Um, do you like have songwriting sessions with people or do you mainly just write by yourself? I like to write by myself. I've yeah. done uh, songwriting sessions and I've gotten a lot out of them, uh, but they just never really, they don't feel like me. They just feel like a song that we wrote, which is awesome. You know, I, I love creating sure. with other people, but it just doesn't ever feel um, like my voice. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, um, uh, definitely, I like to do, like, I've been kind of doing that a little bit more. Um, and it's good because it. I think it helps me really work on the craft of, like, being efficient and stuff like that. But, yeah, when it comes to my stuff, it's like, that's it's my personal. journal time. Exactly. You know? you know, it's good to be able to steal ideas from people and, and their methods and things like that. But ultimately, to me... And I think that a lot of artists actually say this and then like a couple albums down the road, they're like, I just, I need other people. And they, they come to a place of peace with like inviting other people in and it's still their voice. Um, So maybe I'll mature to where I can do that at some point. But for now, like with my solo stuff, it, it just would feel, I don't, I don't know that I could do that yet. Yeah. Do you feel like music is something that you have to do? Not like, not I have to do this because I have to make money or something like that. But it's like my soul makes, I have to do this because this is just what is oozing out of me. Or do you have like a certain pull to music? I, I might not, I may not give you the answer that you want here. And I don't really know where I'm going, but I'm going to start and we'll see where I end up. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, um, I tell my wife this all the time. Like I think <laughs> music is not, I would never say that it's my dream. Um, I hate to sit, I, you know, everyone's like, what? I, th- I thought do you love music. Yes, I love music, but it's not uh, my end all be all. And I don't fantasize about being uh playing stadiums and things like that Mm, yeah Um, my goal would be to play the music i want when i want and make enough money that i have a lot of time to hang out with my family and friends that would be my goal and have a good time doing it you know Mm -hmm. Uh, playing music i love like the the camaraderie that music brings i love so many aspects of music and yeah i can't imagine really a life without music yeah um, but I, it's not like a, some fantasy for me that I'm like chasing a dream, I guess. Sure, sure, sure. It's super, it's incredibly important to me. I don't know what my life would look like if I just was like, well, I'm not going to do any music for a year. I would love to see what that looked like. It's definitely, you know, the, my main process of self-discovery. So in that sense, it's extremely important. Yeah. And I get a lot of esteem from doing it, from writing songs and working with other people and having them say nice things about what I write. Uh, <laughs> I get a that's, lot of es- That's the best. I definitely pull a lot of esteem from it. Uh, so in, in one sense, it is ultra important, yes. And in another sense, um, if someone was like, you know, Billy Lal can never play a show again, I'd, I'd be sad, but I think I could get over it. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy relationship with it, though, honestly. And something that, you know, when you continue to have the success that you have and are going to have because you are in that lane of talent, um, whether if it's just doing exactly what you're doing now or 
you know, building off of that even more. But like your answer to me, that, that conveys to me that it is a true love. It's like, you're not putting this pressure to sell out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd sell out if it meant there was a lot of money in it. Yeah. Same, but you're not going to be, you're not like, (laughs) I feel like I, I have no problem with that. Give me, give me the money, you know, but at the same time, you're not like, that's the only way I will consider myself successful or the only way I'll enjoy this right is if I'm selling out headlining shows at freaking huge arenas it's like there's a part of me that's like yeah that would be cool but I'm more in line with you I would rather build a like a niche play like following that could I can play at smaller places that just could support yeah, where you're not you're bombarded you by, and you know, like that's just that has no appeal to me. Right. What what appeals to me is like the sh- the show we did at Sundown. Yeah, I wish that I could do that twenty times a year in DFW. You know. Well, sign me up. Yeah. I will do <laughs> that. Know, like, like I want to. I will that. open for you because definitely very drawn to that sort of vibe and that sort of s- scale. Um, so I got totally aligned with what you're saying. Like, you know, this is so, this is very important, but like, I'm not striving necessarily to sell out and that's not going to be my determining of success because like, you don't have to do that. And I think that may be, that's some programming that I have to break down and, and rewire myself because I come from a place and generation where doing music was like you're either Christina Aguilera on MTV or you're not doing music like you can't do that as a real job you know and it's like actually that's false you can you can um and it's being proven even like more and more with cover gigs and make great money totally no one can know your name you have a lot of we have a lot more independence now yeah um and so yeah it's definitely not that's not the reality that you have to be the Christine Aguilera or um, John Mayer or something like that. So that doesn't even really appeal to me, honestly, anymore. But um, Right, and that's what it is, is like what makes sense for you. You know, at this point, like there are a lot of things that I will do to up my career, like go on a three-week tour in Sweden. But if they were, if they said, you know, do you want to do two months in Sweden? I would say no. And I, um, you know, two years ago, me probably would would be what are you talking yeah, about? Chomping That's at the bits insane. Like that. Yeah. Um, but now like I can feel comfortable with that. And I think when you have, you know, for me to have, you know, my wife and my daughter and feel grounded, it's refreshing. Like we got offered a Scandinavian tour last year, but it was on like two weeks notice. And I was like, no, can't do it. Not going to do it. But I mean, how many musicians are out there that would say like, Oh my gosh, yes. Like put me on it. I don't totally. care. I won't even, don't even want to look at the budget. Like, let's just do it. So to have like, to be grounded like that, it works for me, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that's not for everyone, yeah. but I, I want, I want to be able to say no to cool things if I feel like that's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I, that's the slippery slope as a musician that once you start saying yes to things that, that compromise other parts of your life, it can burn you out. Like that's sort of what the roommates yeah. got. We were just playing way too much. And, uh, yeah, it's not fun saying no. when someone's like, do you want to play this show with us? Uh, and you were like, well, I mean, we've got four other gigs that week in town that we're trying to promote all of them. Yeah. It's like, doesn't it just can't work sense, you know, it doesn't make sense. And that's okay. You know, I, that's just, that's been a big lesson for me saying no, being okay. You missed out. Um, you know, everyone went out, after the show and uh you know george Strait's guitar player was at the bar and he said that maybe you know if we came to nashville like something cool might happen it's like i missed out on that experience (laughs) and that's fine oh my god that makes me laugh (laughs) so hard (laughs) because like it's okay to miss out on that yes yeah it's like you got to get over that feeling that if you don't do a show that weekend or this or that that no one's gonna remember you anymore (laughs) You know, yeah, like no one's ever going to come to another show. Yeah. It's like, actually, if you don't play as much, <laughs> you'll have more people at your show because you can like make it a deal. You know, yeah. you don't need to, but, or I don't know, but it's just, it's funny. All those like weird little mental battles you go through and, and the, the process of like 
figuring out exactly what you said, learning how to say no. It's it's hard. It's hard. It is hard, and it's hard to do in all aspects of life. Yeah, yeah. Learning how to set boundaries. And kind of talking about life now, and I know we are approaching like an hour here, so this is, we're going to kind of wrap it up here. Um, but music aside, and this can be dealing with music if it does, if it's part of your answer, but just kind of curious. What's one major malfunction that has happened in your life that at that time it felt like it was the end of the world, There's this was terrible, this was only going to lead to more pain and suffering or whatever. But once you got down the road from that experience, you look back and you're like, oh shit, that was a really big lesson that I learned. Like I gained a lot of perspective or a lesson from that situation, even if it was still a very hard thing that you went through. What's something like that for you? You should have texted me this question a month ago. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want you to mill on it. I don't have a good memory. Uh, I feel like I already kind of talked about some of those things. Uh, I, so hmm. If nothing comes to my head in about five seconds, I'll just jump on the one that I kind of talked about earlier. Okay. Malfunctions. So many malfunctions. My brain's constantly misfiring. Um, There's so many things that I feel like I've missed out on or I felt like I missed out on in the moment. Um, I think think a big one, and and we can just go back to this again. I think it's maybe the third time I've mentioned it in this podcast, but when Turks was about to disband and I had moved back to Dallas and that was going to be, <laughs> that was going to be the backbone of what You're I was like, doing. Guys, yeah, guys, guys yo. I don't have a job. <laughs> um, y'all are supposed to be here for me. Um, when it, when I got back and I, I was just, that was kind of a, not even kind of, that was an extremely dark moment where I was like, okay, I moved back to Dallas to try to start a solo career, but I need some time to figure out how to, be a solo artist and do that i can barely play guitar but at least i have turks and that has somewhat of a following and uh and so i'll have that to write on until i can really figure out what i'm doing and then it was like hey um we're gonna split all the money that's in the band account since we don't need it for anything anymore uh and y'all are on your own like i think this is probably over that was um (laughs) a great malfunction yeah um and and obviously like we got back together and some really cool things that ha- have happened because of that yeah but as far as what i've learned from the actual malfunction of that it's nobody j- nobody knew what was going on and nobody knew exactly what they were doing and what the role of turks was in defining those things and making sure that everyone's on the same page is so important and being very honest. Um, I like with, with your priorities Mm -hmm. and like, you know, at that time there's just, there was a lot of tension in the group. I was working. Um, I had to start working other jobs. So I was working a ton and I was like, and I had a new wife that I was trying to spend time with and she was a nurse in an operating room. So she was working all the time in weird hours. So we were just, ships passing all the time so i you know we'd have a rehearsal and then like an hour before I'd be like guys i can't do it i gotta go hang out with my wife and that was tense mm. because no one had broken the seal into cutting a band practice to go do something like that and josh was doing his solo stuff and didn't have as much time to give the turks and there was nothing like we got it but it was just tense because we hadn't defined what we were doing we had no clear direction it was like well we better you know get together and do some things and i when we defined what we were doing and now we're really honest with each other, it's like, Hey guys, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to practice. Like I don't have the headspace to do it. And everyone's like, cool, that's fine. Like we're healthy adults and we can, uh, get over that. And like, we don't have to take all the shows. And I think because we have a clear direction in what we want to do and are trying to accomplish. So it's not just like throwing darts all over the place. Yeah. 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 And w- what was the catalyst that brought y'all back together? I mean, I know the show, but like, so there was the conversation where y'all were like, we're splitting the money up. What are we doing? But what? The Getting it back together. Yeah. Like what was the turn that sort of got y'all going again? We got, um, it was not, it was not actually Granada. It was, um, sundown in Granada. Okay. They offered 
uh, I had been trying to get in there for my solo shows. And they were like, yeah, if we find somebody for you to open for, sure. But they hadn't been responding to me. Uh, Tara, I love you, but I'm calling you out right now. <laughs> uh, I'm very good friends with the booking agent now. Uh, but she, she, was, she was being very kind about ghosting me. Uh, because I didn't have, there was no reason for her to book me. I didn't have a following or anything. And um, so Sundown reached out to Turks to play. And I was like, guys, can I open? And so it kind of like, yeah, this works for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Turks can play a show and it'll kind of be like the last show type situation. And we did. And it was so fun. I mean, it was just such a fun show that kind of rejuvenated everyone's spirits because before that, it's like we had been falling apart on stage. Like at one point, Nathan just like forgot lyrics. Josh like forgot his guitar parts and Paul and I just couldn't be in sync. There were just some, there were some bad shows like it. And I don't even know how to explain to you how poorly they went. And that one was so fun. And, um, that Granada was like, man, that was a good time. Like y'all should come open a show at Granada theater. And then it was like, well, this is awesome. And we played that show and state fair records reps were there and they're like this, we love this. Like, please be on our label. Let's like get something done. And, and so then it was like, well, we have, (laughs) we have some direction now. It's it's not just like like randomly playing gigs. Wow. So that's so interesting. It was the one show that y'all just decided to play as your last Kinda, show. Yeah. Oh I mean, it, we, I, we didn't even make it officially like the last show. We were just going to peter out. But like, yeah, it was, it was like, yeah, I mean, I guess we'll do that show. And then that's what, that's too poetic. That makes me want to cry right now. dude. <laughs> that, that is some like universe shit. That's yep. some God you stuff right to, there. You try to get out of it. And then you get roped right back in. Yeah, man, that's that's really great. And well, I don't I don't want to take too much more of your time. I know you've got a lot of stuff going on here, and I'm just really I'm really pumped about this conversation. It was really fun getting to learn. I'm excited for us to do this again. Yeah, hey, let's do it. I want to interview you on your own podcast. I talked a lot. Oh my gosh, that that would be really cool. I'm down to do. Okay, let's do it. But also, do not apologize for talking. Like. That's what you were here for. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, but I'm excited for the malfunction pod with Billy Law. <laughs> Let's do it. But for real, thank you so much for being here. Um, everybody, y'all go support Billy. Like I said, there's some links in the show notes. He's got a tour in Sweden coming up. And is there anything that you want to share with everybody? I love the roommates. I think y'all should go listen to the roommates. They're wonderful. And uh, I wish we had a recording of you singing Black Hole Sun with us because I would direct y'all to that link and it's really awesome. Uh, Mallory, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And just like that, we are done with another episode of Malfunction. Thank you so much for being here. Again, check out those show notes for all the links to the socials and the music. And until next time, let's keep the funk and malfunction. Peace.